reading of the scriptures from Acts chapter 16, reading verses 16 to 24. I invite uh, your hearing of the word of the Lord uh, in faith and in joy. Acts chapter 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gained by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owner saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, We don't uh, think a great deal about um, the spirit world, the evil spirit world. Uh, Perhaps that's by design. Uh, so they can uh, operate uh, seemingly unbeknownst to us. But we need to be reminded uh, that the spirit world uh, that is opposed to God enslaves, uh, it empowers false religion, and of course, uh, seeks to corrupt the church. I would remind you that uh, you are either in its grasp, or you have been rescued by the power of God's Spirit. There's really only two great courses in this life. Uh, The evil spirit world, uh, or uh, that world uh, in which the power of the Spirit is active among the sons of God. And so this morning, by God's grace, we're going to look at uh, the power of Christ uh, over the evil spirit world. He's going to effect a marvelous miracle in display of His power. We are uh, geographically uh, still in Philippi. It's very interesting when you think about this text, it really moves quite rapidly. Uh, A young girl is going to be set free. Luke gives no attention to her whatsoever. He simply passes on. Uh, It's like the great uh, campaign in the Second World War in the Pacific. They were simply hopping islands, going to Japan, And Luke, uh, under the sovereign guidance of the Holy Spirit, is moving very quickly. And yet, we need to stop and think about the event that is before us. Uh, Subsequent to the salvation of Lydia by the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of power, uh, Paul encounters an evil spirit that has free reign on those who are outside of Jesus Christ. There is a clash between the two. It reminds us that the spirit world is uh, uh, very real, either the Holy Spirit or again, of the evil spirit world. 
Uh, and I would remind you that those two worlds uh, can only be transgressed through one bridge, who is Christ. And you can only pass over that bridge by the power of the Spirit. Only one bridge, one power. Uh, this morning, the power of Christ in defeating Satan, of course, is certain but not yet final. Uh, we're going to see the certainty of it in our text this morning, but we are reminded that it's not yet final. As the God of this world, uh, Satan is still a real and powerful foe. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. He's the God of this world. Uh, and that tells us a great deal about the power of Satan. Uh, we see it in our text. Paul encounters a demon-possessed slave girl. Uh, she was uh, used by her masters uh, to make money by fortune-telling. I haven't thought much about fortune-telling, uh, but it's uh, quite active in our country, by the way. Uh, remember when I was uh, in the Army, I had uh, the wife of one of my NCOs who uh, wanted to uh, tell my future with tarot cards. Yes. I didn't really need that, so I graciously uh, asked her that uh, perhaps uh, she would uh, relent and uh, pass me by. Uh, we see it in our daily Oklahoma, do we not? In the horoscopes. Uh, seemingly harmless? No, nothing is harmless. Because behind it is the evil spirit world, driving people to the great sidereal movement of the stars, the sun and the moon. Well, that's folly. Well, it may be folly, and it certainly is, but it's driven by the dark spirit world. That's why we, we simply pass it by in our daily newspaper. Uh, occasionally, I'll drive by someone uh, here in Oklahoma City as a fortune teller. I can pull in and uh, perhaps uh, discern whether uh, I will be alive in 2021 or 2022. I simply pass her by because uh, she is a competitor to the Holy Spirit. And uh, in her doors uh, is incredible evil. Uh, the Greek text uh, regarding uh, this uh, young girl that's enslaved reads that she had a spirit of Python. It's a reference to Greek mythology. A snake guarded the oracle at Delphi, whose counsel was coveted for guidance. As the god of truth and prophecy, Apollo kills the snake. He then speaks uh, through the oracle. Greek mythology, false religion. What's behind false religion? Seemingly, well, it's just uh, harmless history. No, nothing is harmless driven by the dark spirit world. Energized by the forces of the demons. We shouldn't take it lightly. Because they enslave uh, their, their adherents and own them. Reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, there was, of course, uh, a great deal of idol worship in uh, Corinth. And uh, some of the church was being tempted by that because uh, uh, the gods of the world uh, blessed their trade guilds. And who doesn't want uh, 
to be blessed uh, that they might prosper. Uh, but Paul says to them, I say to the things which the Denshaw sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers with demons. It's a reminder of the power of that terrible world. Of course, in respect to the oracle at Delphi, we have no need for it whatsoever. Uh, because uh, Christ is true revelation. He has exegeted for us God the Father because He's defined. John chapter 1, verse 18. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has exegeted Him. We come to the Father through the Son because He has exegeted or explained the Father to us as the Son of God. But the Spirit energizes this young girl to harass the Apostle Paul. Notice how she identifies the company of the Apostles. She says they are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming the way of salvation. In a measure, she, even though energized by the forces of evil, is telling us that indeed there is but one bridge and one power. And she doesn't have it. The demons do not have it. They seduce and beguile and trick or counterfeits, but they uh, have a fake salvation. The text, I believe, in reference to the Most High God, uh, is a, a reference to Daniel chapter 3. You might turn in your Old Testaments uh, to the uh, third uh, chapter of the great prophecy of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. The context of that chapter is, I suspect, known to you. It's a fiery furnace. And of the three men of faith who will not commit idolatry, even though it might cost them their lives, they will not commit idolatry. And so they're thrown into a furnace. But then there are four. Once there were three, and now there are four. The text reads, one like a son of God protects them. Uh, Daniel uh, chapter 3 and verse 25. And said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Uh, literally, the Hebrew text is in the plural, son of the gods. But... Uh, in technicalities of uh, Hebrew language, uh, when uh, the word uh, gods is used, in this case it's Elohim, it's in the plural. Because the Hebrew has a plural of majesty. And God is the God of majesty. The Greek translation reads, one like an angel of God. A beautiful expression that God dispatches His angels. Uh, some are dispatched uh, internationally to watch over nations. Uh, some, perhaps, to uh, the churches. And of course, some on occasion come to us to protect us. Uh, Daniel chapter 3 and verses uh, 26 and 27. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. 
He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God. That's the illusion, I think, that's found in our text this morning. Servants of the Most High God. Come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was a hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor the smell of fire even came upon them. Remarkable expression of God's spiritual protection of the church. That the angels of darkness strain to get at us, but they cannot because of the power of the true Spirit, the Spirit of God. The irony is that uh, Nebuchadnezzar repeatedly acknowledges that Daniel's God is the God of God. So let's look at uh, back to the prophecy of uh, Daniel uh, and look very quickly at Daniel chapter 2 as it speaks to the majesty of our God. And I share this text in light of the fact that there are many gods in this world, but there's only one true. All the rest are false, fakes, who pretend, but who, of course, uh, will be exposed. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 47. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of the mysteries, since you have been able to reveal the mystery. And God reveals to us through Jesus Christ the mystery of salvation and the one bridge and the one power that gets us across that bridge. Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. But the end of the period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praise and honor Him who lives forever, for His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But He does according to His will in the, most, in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off His hand or say to Him, What hast thou done? That's our God. Energizing force behind this a uh, young girl in Acts 16 uh, has no power uh, over uh, the Spirit of God in the name of Christ. And the spirit of the young girl's demon also acknowledges that Paul was proclaiming the way of salvation. Uh, this word way, as you know, as we've spoken of this before, is uh, certainly a powerful theme in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 2 before Paul is converted, uh, we read in the text, and ask for letters from him to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. The way. What does that refer to? It's picked up again in Acts 19.23 as another reference. About that time, there arose no small disturbance Concerning the way. It's not an unusual way to speak of the Christian faith, but if you recall your Old Testament theology, it's really not. These are really allusions to the prophecy of Isaiah. Because Isaiah foretells of a new exodus, and that's the way. 
And you and I, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, are members of the new exodus, a great throng without number, advancing to our heavenly home. So we belong to the way, the only way. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we've uh, become a, a member of such a great throng. If you're not a Christian, you must appeal to that power. Different powers uh, enslave you, and only one power can set you free. It's the name of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit. That Christ is the way out of false religion and the way to the true God. You and I, by faith in Christ, belong to that way. It's the greatest exodus of all time. And Paul becomes annoyed by the harassment. He commands the Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. And it did. Because the spirits are subject to the authority of Christ. Think about that. If you're not a Christian, it's my sad duty to proclaim to you that you belong to a spirit world that enslaves you, and you have no way out whatsoever. You may be told that uh, different religions can save you, and there's uh, a number of ways uh, to come to that way, but there's only one, and only the power in the name of Jesus Christ can set you free. Uh, in this case, uh, the power of the name of Jesus Christ sets the woman free because the spirits are subject to the authority of Christ. Vacate that, and of course, and Paul is uh, powerless. Uh, more importantly for us, it is salvation. Uh, reminded of the text, if you wish to turn to Luke chapter 10. It's a very beautiful text in regard to uh, the evil spirits in this world. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. The great doctrine of election and predestination. Sometimes we recoil from those words in the American church, but here our Lord says, blessed are you that your names have been recorded in heaven. Because in eternity past, their fate, if you will, if I could use that word, it's not a good word, but it's a word is sealed forever. So it's our salvation. The counter ends with a reminder that the power of Christ is not yet finalized. Because the owners of the girl, upon their loss of income, unite with civil government to persecute the apostolic company. By the way, that is tribulation. You read the book of the Revelation, that is uh, one of the important books that speak about the end-time tribulation to which we are in. It's the union of false religion and civil government that's used to powerfully persecute the church. We don't think about those terms in America, but perhaps someday we will, but certainly in the world, it's very prominent. Uh, and that threat will remain until the Savior comes, and 
That may come quickly, of course. And then we shall triumph in his triumph. Uh, something of the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans uh, chapter 16, verse 20. Paul says to the church, and you, you will soon see uh, that God will crush Satan under your feet. power of God, the one bridge, the one Savior, the one power that brings us to the Savior. Think of it. We will, we will, by the power of God, crush Satan under our feet. But the gospel is the only escape from the evil, evil spirit world. There's security now, and of course in certain victory, but uh, the power of destruction is yet to be finalized. Something of an illustration of this, when I was a young lad, my, uh, uh, my father would uh, join up with a number of other oil men and we would uh, uh, take caravans into the, into the jungles of Venezuela to go fishing. A number of Texans and Oklahomans and these men loved to fish and uh, one thing about Venezuela in those days, they had a lot of fish and so you go where the fish are, we went to the rivers. And uh, we were setting up camp one day, and uh, typical Americans, we would bring showers and latrines. It's always kind of funny to me how we, we bask in those uh, comforts in the middle of a jungle, but that's, uh, that's the American way. And uh, setting up the camp, my, uh, my younger uh, brother uh, uh, went ballistic. He said, you can't set up a tent there. There's a snake in that tree. I looked in the tree. I've seen any snake. I'm not aware of too many snakes that climb trees, but uh, but he was relentless, uh, wouldn't let go. And finally, the uh, the Venezuelan guide came over, and indeed there was a snake, and he killed it with a machete. I don't know. Maybe I, my young brother saw it in a moment, open its eyes. It's the only way I could tell. Just it was a vine to me, and a vine to everybody else. Hey, Jim, here's a quarter. Go swim in the river and maybe alligators will get you. You know, go away. You're harassing us. No, he was exactly right. It's a warning that Christ is our guide and the snakes cannot get at us now or in eternity. Do you know the Savior? If you don't, there are many snakes in this world. And the python is wrapped around you and you cannot escape save uh, by the power of Christ. Well, the power of Christ uh, sets this uh, young uh, girl free, uh, but the power of Satan is often not so sensational. So two conflicting powers, the power of Christ. Uh, we see that he has command over the demonic forces, but I would like to remind you, respect our culture, that the power of Satan is often not so sensational. It's interesting to me that in our culture, uh, uh, there are some churches that teach uh, courses on uh, uh, how to set people free from uh, demonic forces. I think I read that in the Daily Oklahoman recently. Uh, but Satan is uh, crafty and wise. He doesn't like the spotlight. He doesn't want to be sensationalized. Uh, but there's a powerful illustration of this 
in the words of an English uh, theologian by the name of C.S. Lewis, I know some of you are familiar with his writings, uh, Scott Smith uh, provides an illustration of this. Uh, he's going to paraphrase C.S. Lewis in Investor's Business Daily. Uh, he paraphrases uh, Lewis's Screwtape Letters, uh, which uh, features an apprentice devil seeking advice from his wise uncle about problems and trying to tempt humanity. And the uncle responds that it's easier to seduce morals with small obsessions that lead to wrong priorities. And then in interpreting Lewis, uh, Scott Smith says, why adultery when golf will do? Now, I have, I have nothing wrong with golf. I suspect C.S. Lewis did anything wrong with golf either. I suspect Scott Smith doesn't have anything wrong with golf. I used to play golf as a little boy. But I guess it's a great sport. I simply lost interest in it. But I drive by golf courses on Sundays, and what a tragedy. Why adultery when golf will do? The real quote from Lewis is, it does not matter how small the sins are provided, that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from light and out into nothing. Murder is no better than cards, if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That's the real power of Satan. Why murder when cards will do the trick? But it is this that should remind us as Christians of the power of Christ that is our only hope and our bridge to the, to the true spirit world governed by the Holy Spirit. And we need to be reminded that the power of Christ in defeating Satan is present in our world. It's already at work. First and foremost is his legal defeat, that Christ has justified his people with his righteousness thereby permanently negating Satan's prosecutorial role. It's a great illustration of this. Turn to uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. There was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God, day and night. It is a picture in a graphic way that Satan is disbarred from the court of heaven based upon the actions of our advocate who is Jesus Christ. His accusations of us, though they are true, 
have no effect in the court of heaven because we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ and set free. It's the importance of the power of the Savior. And the accuser is disbarred from court. What a great picture of our salvation. The accusations are right, are they not? His power is greater. Second, his ability to deceive the elect is totally curtailed, totally negated. Christ invades his kingdom and plunders it. Matthew chapter 12, 28 and 29, Christ is being accused by the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, Christ can uh, cast out demons because he's in league with them. And Christ answers them and says, that's a kingdom divided. A kingdom divided cannot stand. And if I can cast out demons by the power of the Spirit, then the kingdom of God has come upon you and is in your midst. The kingdom is now. It's begun. It's started. And then he gives an illustration. It's uh, like when a man enters the house of the strong man. The strong man is Satan. And he binds the strong man and plunders his house. you're a Christian, you're part of that plunder. Based on what? The power of Christ. The one bridge. The one power that's more powerful than the God of this world. It is illustrated as well in an apocryphal sense, a graphic sense in Revelation chapter 20. If you want to turn uh, last book of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 20. Verses 2 and 3. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. That, that verb bind is the same word used in Matthew of the binding of the strong man. And threw him in the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he could not deceive the nations any longer. How was it that you came to Christ? You were totally deceived. because Christ in His power negated His power to deceive you, and you came to the Savior based upon His power. Vacate that power and you would never come. You would have been deceived by horoscopes and false religions and magic and fortune tellers and on and on. But by the power of Christ, Satan was curtailed and bound in a graphic picture, the power of the cross that Satan can gather those who belong to him, but not the elect who belong to God, whose names have been written in the books of God. Uh, illustration of this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that he is coming, but is now already in the world. But you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the Spirit of God that is in you than the power of all of the satanic forces that are active in the world in which we live. 
Thirdly, Satan is a very powerful foe, but he cannot recover what he's lost to Christ. That's a great promise. The power of Christ secures them forever. Uh, the Apostle Paul speaks to this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, having, been, having believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Seal. A seal that cannot be broken. Otherwise, if we were Christians on any day, we could be lost. But it's a seal by the power of the Spirit of God which cannot be violated by the power of Satan. That's why we are secure forever. It's the only reason we're secure forever. The power of the cross, sealed by the Spirit. Uh, illustration of this, Daniel, uh, pardon me, Revelation chapter 7, verse 3. Where before uh, uh, the judgments of God are poured out upon the earth, uh, God restrains them until He has sealed the bondservants of our God on their forehead. Spiritual protection from the demonic forces. Sealed forever. I mean, think about it. We live in a profoundly dangerous world. Not because of robbers and brigands and those exist and violent men, demonstrations, but much more violent because of demonic forces. We pass safely on the way because we've been sealed by God. Power of Christ, His Holy Spirit. I would remind you that He can do great harm to us bodily, but not spiritually. He cannot harm us spiritually, but He can bodily. Prelude to all of this, of course, is God's curse on the serpent. Uh, after the fall. I mean, the first, perhaps, illustration of the Gospel in all the Scriptures, Genesis uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Promise of the victory of Christ. Satan will wound Christ, but Christ will destroy Satan. And according to the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans 16, we will crush him under our feet. The great and powerful dragon, the serpent of old. Crush him under our feet because of the power of God. Beautiful illustration of this to me is in the Exodus narratives of Exodus chapter 7, verse 11. Uh, God tells Moses to go to the Pharaoh and present his credentials. Uh, that he represents deity. You recall the account I know, and you're reading the book of Exodus, and Aaron throws down his staff and he becomes a serpent. So what does Pharaoh do? Well, he calls all of his magicians uh, who counterfeit the miracle uh, and expand it. The account, I remind you, is a polemic against Pharaoh, who was a representative of the devil, because on his crown, his headdress contained a cobra symbolizing a protection of a of a pagan goddess. It was a representative of Satan himself, the great serpent. Uh, but the goddess and his magicians are impotent against God and his people. And in a moment, we know the outcome of the battle before it ever occurs. Uh, 
because Aaron's staff swallowed up the staffs of Pharaoh and his court. And we know then that our victory is certain. The word uh, serpent in the Hebrew Bible can also be translated on occasion dragon or sea monster. Now, the dragon meets the same end. Beautiful illustration of this and the prophet Isaiah speaks to our salvation, our one hope, safe passage in this world. The prophet says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it thought now who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not now who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea as a pathway for the redeemed to cross over? God defeated the dragon, redeemed his people, and we're crossing over to the other side, our eternal home. For another Christian, the only way to begin that way, to appeal to the power of the cross, the power of the Savior, the power of the Great Spirit. Christ is the only bridge to the new world, and the Spirit is the only power to gain Him. What a great reminder of that which has saved us forever. World without end. The hope of the Christian. But I remind you this morning, as is our custom partake of the uh, sacrament of the Lord's table, uh, that our way has many dangers. Um, and how shall we make it? But the constant reminders of uh, the provision of, of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, who is our hope uh, forever and ever. Uh, the background of the sacrament, as you know, is... Uh, uh, the great exodus, redemption from Egypt and Pharaoh. The angel of death passed over the houses marked by the blood of the Lamb. And that blood, if you will, marks us, and the angel of death must pass us by because of the blood of our Savior. It's a sign, of course, uh, but what it signifies is the great benefits of uh, our union with Christ. Uh, I would remind you that uh, in preparation for the table, very quickly, uh, that uh, the table, of course, is, uh, is not uh, for those who are uh, not Christians. This is the Lord's table. Uh, if you're here as a visitor and you are a Christian, then again, it's not the table of Grace Bible Church. It's the Lord's table. Uh, it's uh, open communion in that regard. If you know the Savior and are not living in some known sin for which you are unrepentant, uh, we invite you to come. The Savior invites you to come. To be reminded of the majesty of His provisions, but also His continuing presence. Protect you. Keep you. Uh, beautiful, of course, uh, scriptural warrant reminder in... The writings of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, says, For Christ our Passover 
also has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast not with the old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so it's open to all who know the Savior, who are walking faithfully in the way, the way by the power of the Spirit. Because of uh, the virus, uh, we're not going to pass the elements. We're going to ask you to, in a moment to come, uh, you can partake of the bread and the cup, uh, perhaps after a short silent prayer, or you can take the elements and turn to your seat and uh, pray silently as uh, others are being served. Uh, I'll leave that to your own freedom. Um, but I remind you that uh, Christ is the bread of heaven. And... Uh, Knowing Him, uh, eating His body and drinking His blood, we live forever. Not again in the sign, but that in which the sign signifies. The sign in and of itself is nothing. It's what it signifies. Our union with the Savior. We've been sealed by the Spirit. We're walking faithfully in His way. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. So, uh, let us uh, give thanks uh, for the bread and for the cup. And let us prepare our hearts. If there's something that you need to get right with God about, I uh, give you uh, time to do that. Uh, but let us, of course, in our silent prayers, rejoice. Realize that uh, God in His power has uh, broken the legal authority of Satan over us and set us free. That He is true freedom. He's the only freedom. and He's the only way to God. And let us celebrate that. That the joy of our salvation might uh, richly be seen in our hearts and in our lives. North side, the provision is at the front. South side, again, the provision at the front. Uh, if you're in the balcony, you can come uh, to the communion table, or uh, I suspect there will be uh, occasion, uh, if you want to reduce the size of the line, you can come to the communion table. We'll partake of the bread first, and then, of course, the cup. Uh, remind you the words of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians, uh, this is my body, which is broken for you. Uh, this is my cup, just given to you as a reminder that uh, he suffered violently upon the cross to take the penalty of our sin. He drank the cup of judgment to his most bitter ends, that we might drink the cup of the new covenant. Uh, let us pray, and then I invite you to come. Uh, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee uh, for the beauty and the majesty and the, of uh, the Savior the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, before whom we bow and worship forever and ever. And we come not only to remember Him, but to fellowship with Him. Because of this evil world and the abundance of uh, demonic forces, uh, we, uh, we know spiritually we are always in danger and we ask thy protection. Uh, we know that on occasion we grow hungry and thirsty from the battle. And so we come to eat and to drink. We come to be blessed by thy presence.
We come to be strengthened that we might go away, fitted out all the more for the great battle before us. And for the great promise that we shall soon, the coming of our Savior, crush Satan under our feet. Hasten that day. Come quickly. In the interim time, keep us by thy power, faithful and serving. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen. Please come. Well, I want to thank you for coming uh, to be with us this morning uh, and uh, for our celebration of uh, the sacrament of the Lord's table and the joy and delight of hearing the word of the Lord. A um, couple of announcements uh, before we are dismissed uh, for lunch. Um, if you uh, if you know someone that uh, has this uh, terrible virus or is uh, terribly afraid, uh, the reason I presented put these in your bulletins. That certainly feel free to take them, and maybe you can take them to your friend or neighbor or your beloved family member. Remind them that the saints of old have uh, the same hope that we do. That uh, Christ has borne our yoke and uh, we shall fly straight to the skies. I would ask your prayer for the uh, Aishan family. Uh, last I heard, uh, uh, the virus uh, affected uh, all but uh, Sarah. I trust she is safe, but do ask you to pray for them. Uh, Randy told me this morning that uh, Mike and Samantha have been exposed to someone who uh, was uh, tested positive, so you might pray for them. Uh, but for others, I know that there are a number in our church who continue to sequester themselves. Uh, God would be gracious to them. Uh, I trust uh, they will come by uh, Zwingli's Plague Hymn and uh, learn of uh, our great hope as Christians. Uh, does anyone have something they would like to bring to God's attention before we're dismissed? Uh, well, again, we're going to hear about God's work in Uganda over lunch. Uh, there is uh, ample food for uh, everyone. It's uh, uh, provided by the church, uh, box lunches to uh, limit human contact and on and on. Uh, I, I do hope you can come. Uh, I do hope you can hear about uh, our partnership with Tim and Cherry Hope as we desire to advance uh, the faith in different lands. Um, there is some great cryptology on your box lunches. NSA would be envious. Uh, the word W stands for wraps. S for sandwiches. So. Uh, certainly, certainly uh, thank Bonnie and uh, uh, my beautiful wife, Barbara, who labored behind the scenes, and others, as always, uh, always uh, others that, uh, but just the logistics of getting a meal here at this particular time. Um, I will not uh, uh, be here next Sunday. I'm going to a wedding in Colorado, um, so... Appreciate your prayers for safe travels as uh, you are always uh, in mind. Well, let's stand for concluding prayer and word of benediction.
Our Lord, we are profoundly grateful for the treasuries of uh, the gospel of Christ, our power, and the power of God, who has rescued us. And now the God of peace who brought it from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.